Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of Pudding Ain't Easy. And today we are doing episodes um, is it three, episodes three and four of Obi Wan. I lost track of uh, what episodes we're on because it's been <laughs> so long. I'm your host, Carl, and with me, as always, is the third sister to my fifth <laughs> brother. It's Scott McLeod. Hello, Carl. Yes, it's been a couple of weeks, and yes, much like uh, the fifth brother said in episode three. We will both get what we deserve. You can take that however you wish to mean it. We weren't intending on doing this, like the series so far in two episodes, like installments, and I think we're going to go back to individual reviews for episodes five and six, but I asked Carl politely if we could, you know, hold off a little while and then cover episodes three and four together, because... Uh, the start of last week when we were getting ready to record episode three, uh, I was like all men who they can't just be not well. We're just we're always dying. Just my chest, my throat, my nose, everything was working against me. I thought I'm not I'm not going on an audio format sounding like this. Yeah, we can't we can't subject listeners to a bunged up Scott. They want they want the full delicate tones of our Mister McLeod. Yes, I, I'm a perfectionist when it comes to my dulcet tones. I will not, if it sounds anything below my standards, I will not be recording, not for nobody. Hmm, hmm, hmm. Yep, this is serious business and we need to sound our best. Yes, you know, it's been fine because I've been able to pass the time in the last few days while I've been recovering with all sorts of you know, TV shows all starting at the same bloody time, all sorts of new content to you know, distract myself with in the last couple of weeks. Well, most of that content will be covered very soon once Kenobi's done, so, you know, the work never stops. You know, we'll not be taking a break after Kenobi, we'll be right back to business. That is true, yeah, we've got the boys lined up and much, much more, I dare say. So, Scott, are we ready to to get on with um, episode three. Sounds like we're doing uh, bloody Return of the Jedi when I say it like that, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm ready to go with your kids. Not got much else to talk about. Let's, let's get down to business for professionals sometimes. <laughs> I don't think we're fooling anybody there. <laughs> so, certainly not our four listeners. <laughs> I mean, we're professionals, I say, when Carl can remember which episodes we're covering right at the offset of the fucking episode. <laughs> uh, I, got, I got mixed up. I forgot we'd already done two, you see. So I was thinking, are we on two and three or is it three and four? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm old. I'm easily confused. What can I say? Uh, there we go. There we go. Typical Carl. You, you people don't know this, but behind the scenes here at Rogue Things, Carl really doesn't, you know, like these old jokes as much as he might play along with, you know, he thinks, you know, if he laughs along, he won't cry as much. He, but he always says to us, he's been reported to HR so many times, don't make these jokes, don't make me sound like I'm old. And then, then he fucks up and then he hides behind, like, oh, forgive me, forgive me, I'm old. Like, he's old when it's convenient to him. 
Yeah, it's a bit like uh, that song, Common People. I just laugh along with the common people and, <laughs> and hope hope it gets me by. <laughs> I mean, half the time I don't even know what these young'uns are talking about, to be honest. <laughs> these young'uns, if you... There you go. If you don't really think that you're old, have you ever used the phrase, these young'uns? Yes, you're old. <laughs> ah, yeah, I'm well aware I'm, I'm old. But there we go. Who is old? Now is Obi-Wan Kenobi. Oh, there you go. Like the Brewers. He brought it back around. But yeah, it's a, it's a really cool opening actually to this episode. We sort of see Obi-Wan meditating, trying to reach out to Qui-Gon and, uh, and sort of mixed in between, um, sort of cut in between that we see clips of um, Darth Vader. He's in his back to tank. We see him getting um, lifted out by some sort of grabby things, like one of those grabbing machines when you're, when you're getting a teddy. But that's, that's <laughs> what the Emperor's doing. Oh, yes, I've got him. <laughs> and Cut uh, out of that scene is how many times the Emperor first put his grabby thing down. Oh, I'm gone, I'm gone. Oh, no, I've dropped him again. Oh. Gunnelton, oh no, I need to put more money in this bloody machine. <laughs> he got through quite a few pound coins trying to get Lord Vader out, <laughs> believe you me. But uh, then, again, then, again, then again, he rules the whole universe, so like, it's okay, it's my money, I'll do what I want, I'm the ruler of all. That's pretty true, that's pretty true, he's probably got uh, a fair lot of cash. But... <laughs> But we, we see Vader's uh, metal limbs getting attached and the sort of how he sort of gets fitted into his suit. And we sort of really do see the sort of extent of um, his injuries. I mean, he's lost both his legs, both his arms, his body's is uh, a sort of burnt, charred mess. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, yeah, he, he, he's not in a great state. No, 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 he's not. Like, I didn't get a chance to watch it uh, as early as Carl did on Wednesday. I was busy, but I literally got a text from Carl talking about, you know, chills from that opening scene. I'm like, I've not bloody seen it yet. And so I was strapping myself in to see what happened. And then just the, like you said, like the process of that going on, you see like how intricate it is and the stuff having to stick into you. And then when his helmet goes on, there's that high pitch noise. It was kind of similar to the noise that you hear when his helmet's first put on him in episode three. Uh, and then they had fact it's cutting in between here. And then once again, teasing you that Qui-Gon was going to pop up because, you know, Obi-Wan reaching out to, to Qui-Gon and, like, hearing, like, voice notes, like, bits from Qui-Gon, Yoda, Anakin, and as as the places with the suit being put on. And then, like, Obi-Wan's way at the end, like, he's coming for me. Uh, really... It was the main theme of the episode when it comes to him and Vader and that Obi-Wan realising that the guy he left for dead is actually alive and realising he's not as strong as he used to be. It's almost like he's like afraid, he doesn't have to say that he's afraid, but he's pretty scared of like facing Anakin again. Yeah, yeah, 100%. He's, uh, it's not something he's looking forward to. And um, we get to see, we get to hear like we do in... Um, the end of sort of episode um, 
Yeah, so it's episode three, isn't it? Uh, Revenge of the Sith. Um, when this helmet first goes, uh, connects, you hear the, you hear the breathe, you know, the the breathe and the Darth Vader breathing, mm-hmm. and and today sort of for four K pictures and sound, it, it really sort of resonates through the TV <laughs> now. It's uh, it, it just hits different and. And um, mm-hmm. when he starts talking as well, they've obviously brought back uh, James Old Jones to do the voice. And even at ninety years old, it still carries the same weight and power that that it always has. And that's a testament to the to the great man. Hmm. I've heard they've been like using some like voice like system, like some like voice altering system, where they're trying like using the voice but making it sound clearer. So it can sound like how it does right back in the original trilogy because it's meant to be set before set before uh, that those films. Apparently, it's the same uh, system they used to make Mark Hamill's voice sound as young as it did when he was brought back for Luke Mandalorian. Uh, uh, like obviously, you can sometimes tell in a person also their voice sometimes changes or goes deeper when it gets older. So kind of getting them to do the voice and then just kind of altering it. You know, not too much, obviously, that you can't recognise it, but enough that they'll say they still credit the actors for providing their likeness. Well, yeah, it is unmistakably uh, James mm-hmm. or Jones, anyway. And, yeah, the, as I say, the, the, the voiceover is just so... It's just so strong and clear. It, it's unbelievable. And he starts talking to uh, Reva, the, the third sister... Where is he? <laughs> and uh, and um, she brings up, starts to bring up, um, up the the Grand Inquisitor, and he says, "A Grand Inquisitor means nothing. Only Kenobi matters." So it, it looks like Vader's prepared to um, throw anything aside in, in his pursuit. Uh, to find Obi Wan, nothing, nothing else. That's his like top priority, and uh, yeah. she doesn't actually. She's interrupted by Vader before she can finish her sentence, so we don't know. Still, don't know if he is dead or if he's just seriously injured. Because I've heard people say well, his species of two stomachs, so it's quite possible he, he could have survived it. Yeah, I mean, we don't see, we saw him get stabbed, but if you don't see him die, you don't see the body afterwards, then there's a chance he's still alive. And uh, I like she's got this intricate lie planned to like say that it's Kenobi that, that stabbed him because obviously they can't prove what color lightsaber stabbed him and everything. And he basically just cuts her off, like, I don't care about that. You know, it's about Kenobi because obviously he got this vendetta as what was seized in the first episode where Grand Inquisitor said to Reva, like, he's not yours to hunt, like, it's, it's Vader that wants to take him down. And even says like he's even if he is dead, like Vader doesn't really care because he's basically like, okay, if you can be Grand Inquisitor if you if you help me find Kenobi, like uh, to him the Grand Inquisitor is just a title. He doesn't look at these guys as like people. He's just like you're just like tools for me to help find Kenobi. Yeah, and, the, and even the Grand Inquisitor is still um, a subordinate to Vader, so it probably makes a little difference to him who it is. But he also tells her that um, if you fail me, you will not live to regret it. <laughs> and we all, yeah. and we sort of see a taste of that in the in the in the following episode. Yeah, I like seeing comes to this with Vader, and like similar to what we got to see in. 
Rogue One were like peak Vader before original trilogy and the suit being just merciless, just being visually not giving a fuck. Like you saw him in Rogue One just cutting down the, the guys on that rebel ship and then see what he does later on when they find Obi-Wan on that planet. And you know, it's not stuff we got to see a lot of in the original trilogy probably because they were still very limited in how they could get like person in the Darth Vader suit to move around and everything. But getting to see Vader like this and like, you know, Joe, like, like, regardless of like seeing him in the prequels, like, like being produced, being portrayed like a whiny teenager, when he's in the still in the suit, he's still a badass villain, and he's to be feared. Yeah, we we, we get more and more of a taste of sort of how powerful Darth Vader really was. When you know, when as you say, in scenes in Rogue One and scenes in this as well. Um, a lot more than we could even possibly imagine from the original trilogy, as you say, due to a lack of uh, technology, technological advances in filmmaking mm-hmm. back in back in the late seventies, early eighties. But uh, yeah, we get back to the ship um, with uh, Leah and, and Obi Wan. She sort of asks him about um, the Force, and he tells her. Um, it doesn't work the way you think it does. It's um, it sort of helps, and she indeed sort of describes it as it being like a, a nightlight, illuminating mm-hmm. the darkness, giving you giving you comfort. And yeah. um, she she asks why he's not um, steering the ship, and it's like a, a freighter ship on a pre-designated. Um, Flight path, so they can't they can't drive it or change its course. They've just got to let it fly to where it's going and and land. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do like how he simplifies kind of the use of the the force there. Then you know, seems a lot nicer than uh, than Qui Gon's weird explanation about midichlorians and the Phantom Menace. But and then it's kind of fitting that we we're coming about these two episodes together because. Oh, it'll be important when we talk about it in the second episode, but he manages to fix our, uh, our droid fodder as well. Yeah, he's, fi- he's fixed uh, Lola. Uh, mm-hmm. Apparently, it's na- uh, his name's uh, not... Uh, um, oh, um... My, ne- my mind's just gone. I'm not working today. <laughs> Carrie Fisher uh, had a bird when she was young called Lola. Or, um, apparently, I was reading somewhere. So it's a, right. the name. The name of the droids are not to that. Fair enough. Um, anyway, yeah, they they land on uh, on this this planet, and they managed to sneak off the the freighter ship when the droids are distracted, and uh, they make their way to this designated spot where. Um, Somebody's supposed to meet him, and in these sort of scenes, we get we get to see the juxtaposition uh, between um, Leia and Obi Wan. Like Leia's young and innocent and naive, and almost prepared to trust anybody. And Obi Wan, because of been what he's been through with Order sixty six, he's old, he's jaded, uh, he he perhaps knows better, and he he doesn't seem to be willing to trust anybody at all. And he's almost half expecting nobody to show up. And when they get there, and there's nobody there, he's not prepared to, you know. Perhaps they're running late already. For it. it's like, oh, 
I knew no one would be here, sort of thing, and he's he's already prepared to give up. <laughs> so yeah. it just shows you the sort of difference in attitudes from what you know. Um, what they've both been through or haven't been through uh, at this point in their lives. And if someone comes um, in, a, in, a, in a truck, uh, maybe one wants to sort of let him, let him go by and lay as, like, oh, no, that's, that's asked for directions, that's asked for help. And like, I'll do talking, you don't talk, but of course she doesn't listen and she does all the talking and he offers them a left and everyone's like, no, no, we'll, we'll just walk and um, not... And Leia's like, no, no, Dad, come on, we'll get, we'll have a left, and they get into the back of this pickup truck thing, and it's got a like an emblem of the um, the emp the Empire sort of on the back there. So looks like Obi Wan was right not to be so trusting, but they they get their left anyway. Who, I believe, is the name of? Obi Wan talks about any of the streets that it used to be before the war, you know, and then well, there used to be families and farms everywhere. And, was, and the Empire came and ravaged it all. And like you said, the naivety of, of Leia, because her father still has to deal with the, the Empire. And he's like, oh, I thought the Empire was going to help us. And like, well, people, your father try and make sure they do, but it's a losing battle these days. Is, is, and like you said, the bit where he's at me, because they're in the middle of nowhere, he's convinced us because he didn't trust uh, Hajj Estri, who by Kuno Nanchan, who gave him the direction in the first place. He didn't trust him in the first place. And then, like, like well, maybe he was lying. I never should have trusted him. Like you said, he's been burned too many times. But something that's interesting as they're walking along, uh, and I only noticed a wee bit of the camera when I watched this episode back a second time, that just as Obi-Wan's looking off in the distance, and it's really revealed that he's he's hallucinating seeing Anakin with these, like, cloak elk allies that he did towards the latter half of episode three. Uh, the camera kind of distorts or kind of moves on its side, kind of showing that maybe only one's losing his mind a little bit, like the idea of being afraid of confronting Anakin again to kind of cause him to lose his grip on reality a little bit. Uh, but, like, but you know, we're four episodes in, and I'm wondering, like, you know, like, bad the tanks and weird hallucinations are fine, but, you know, Hayden Christensen did a lot of promotion for this show. Surely in these last two episodes, you got to give us something more with Hayden. You know, as like as Darth Vader, or maybe some sort of flashback from that time. But I don't know. I mean, they could have just that's so far they could have just used any actor for the <laughs> job, really. Yeah, because most of the action is like the suit, and I doubt he did a lot of stuff in the actual Vader suit. I mean, I don't know. I'd have to look up how much he, uh, he was actually in the suit, how much was an actual stunt person in there, who also maybe got lied to and got told their voice would be used. <laughs> uh, but it's interesting this guy Freck who picks them up uh, and I remember we uh, regurgitates the lie that the cover story that Obi-Wan gave her to her like remember we're farmers from Toll and you're my daughter and he's, he's trying to say to her before, and you don't talk well I don't like to talk or I can't talk he goes you don't talk but then <laughs> she's the one doing all the talking and Freck I didn't realise this because it sounded nothing like him but I found it afterwards uh, Zach Braff was the voice of Frick, which is bizarre because, well, it sounds nothing bloody like him. And I heard after this episode came out, oh, the secret role of Zach Braff in this episode. Like, who is he? Who is that guy? <laughs> yeah, it's quite funny having a guest 
starring role or a voice role and uh, your voice has been altered beyond all recognition but but there you go and um, while they're sort of on their journey he decides to pick up um, a few stormtroopers who get in the back and they start talking about looking for some um, some Jedi and they asked Obi Wan if he's seen any then he's like, Oh no, no I wasn't no a Jedi I was all one. And they start quizzing him about what they're doing and where where they're going and um he sort of explains that him and um what what was he calling what was he calling Leia and uh, Luma. Luma, that's it, were going to where uh, he first met her mother who recently passed away and um, they start talking a bit more and Leia says something and Obi-Wan sort of says back, they they know what they're doing Leia and one of the soldiers was, wait, what? You just called her Leia? I thought you said her name was Luma. It was, oh yeah, um, that's her mother's name. Uh, I get confused. And actually, that's an excuse I can buy because a lot of the times when my parents were shouting at me back in the day, I'd get called my sister's name. I'd get called the cat's name. I'd get called every name under the sun before they got to my actual name. So it doesn't take a lot for uh, parents to get your name wrong. So I think I think that's a pretty good excuse in my book. My mum still gets my... My mum still calls me by my brother's name accidentally. My brother moved out two years ago. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's like that Pierre Cage joke, like your grandparents, they'll shout, they'll shout your name, but they'll call you every other family member's name before they get to you. Peter, Sarah, Julie, John, Peter. <laughs> Carried you for nine months. They've raised you for 16 or 18 years, and they still can't get your fucking name right. <laughs> <laughs> You're the one who gave it to me, so I think you, of all people, would remember what it fucking is. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, also interesting that before they pick up the stormtroopers, uh, you, you see also the album on the back, and then the Tonic Vegas, uh, they mentioned Tall, goes, oh, goes, oh, good place there, Tall. You know, they, they respect the Empire, so you can tell he's a, a sympathizer, as it were. It's the way he invites them into the bag. It just made me think. As somebody who's watched my brother play many hours of Skyrim, all those missing moves for Fight to go, where are you going? I can take you there. Climb him back, and we'll be off. But <laughs> watching him talk about the Empire and everything, yeah, Obi-Wan quick thinking, even though it was him who kind of fucked up when he was trying to stop Leia from talking. But he, kind of, but you can tell he's kind of mean it when he says he sees our mother's face because mm. he already kind of saw a lot of Padme and her in the last episode. And that leads to a conversation between the two once the stormtroopers kind of get out. They, they, you know, the Obi-Wan excuse, I get confused when he calls people the wrong name. I'm surprised Carl hasn't used that more often than not on this podcast. Like, did you just call Hideo Itami God knows whatever he's called? Like, that was his father's name. I get confused. <laughs> I said, well, I do get confused, Nathan, um, Raul, um, Leah, uh, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you call me Rahul? <laughs> I don't mean you getting my name wrong, but calling me Rahul, like, put, put me and him in the same sentence. God. I, went, I, went, I went too far. I, I apologise. We waited an extra couple of weeks before doing this podcast, and now it's going to be over before it even begins if you keep it up. So what he did to me and Jimmy on that bloody rebellion, pods. 
Yeah, you know, I haven't actually watched any of uh, Obi-Wan yet. I'm just uh, making this up as I go along. Yeah, I knew it was too good to be true. So, oh, I've watched the episode multiple times. I knew that was too good to be true. You would have remembered more. <laughs> but uh, the thing I do find quite quite amusing, um, but just for me, is when he was asking Obi-Wan about um, what they're doing there. The, he says, oh, it's a long story. And the story well, it's a long journey. And about two minutes later, they get to their stop. So... Not that long of a journey, by all accounts. <laughs> yeah, uh, you're about to hear Dexter probably in the background, by the way, because someone's coming in. So prepare for Dexter's cameo in a second. But yeah, I know like the common consensus I've heard from a lot of people, and it's true that out of all the places they could have gone, they're in this mining system in the middle of nowhere, and they have to run into the three most competent stormtroopers in the entire empire. Because as we see in the next episode, in we saw in the Mandalorian appearance, anything else the stormtroopers have ever appeared in. You know, these non-clone stormtroopers are some of the stupidest and most incompetent henchmen you've ever seen. You get the two, you're you having to run into the two guys to actually pay attention. It's like, wait, what? And then, but even then, they still managed to fool them. And it was kind of a, I did almost kind of cry a little bit where she went, she really just looked at me and went, are you my real father? And he just goes, I wish I could say I was. And, you get a weird in- insight into Obi-Wan's backstory about his family and everything, like talking about how young the Jedi are when they're taken away from their families. He, he says he may have a brother, but he can't remember him. Yeah, yeah, that's something I never really thought about with, with Obi-Wan. Um, that he was one of, like, the, one of the young ones that was taken from his family and, and trained from a very early age. I've never really given that much thought until that little bit of dialogue there. So that was quite a nice little quite a nice little bit to fill in a, a gap in his history. And yeah, it was quite a tender moment when he's saying to Leia, yeah, I can I could see a mother um when I when I look at you and uh yeah. Really good. But um, it's not long before the, uh, as we say, the three stormtroopers get to their destination and hop off. And um, we carry on for a little bit. We get to a bit of like a, a checkpoint, don't mm. we? Manned by several stormtroopers and like a, a like a laser, a sort of laser beam um, sort of block, blockage type thing mm-hmm. that's to stop them from going through. And you have to sort of show his ID and that, and he sort of tells them, oh, a couple of people in the back you might be interested in. So the first chance he's got, he's selling them out. I know, I remember watching this, like, I didn't, not to say I trusted him, but, like, I kind of liked them, like, I liked the look of them. I liked the way the character was, like, designed, and then he goes, oh, a couple of strays, they're like, oh, thank you, bastard. Just absolute batties. Obi-Wan was right, you can't trust anybody in this universe. <laughs> no, you really can't. And uh, all sort of hell breaks loose and um, Obi-Wan has to take take out the stormtroopers and um, he grabs, he, he sort of grabs Freckles like a hostage, but the stormtroopers don't give two shits about him and carry on firing anyway. And it's quite a funny bit where he shoots one of the guys up on like uh, the, the a crow's nest position and he falls off and gets sliced in half by the, 
by the laser beam thing, which which made me chuckle. And just when you think he's dealt with them all, one one of them grabs um, Leia and he does the, the old "Okay, I'm putting my gun down" trick, but but shoots but shoots him dead anyway. And uh, he grabs Leia and uh, he can't work out how to shut the laser beams off, so he shoots it and deactivates it that way, but they don't get very far and until they're uh, met with a transport of a, more stormtroopers accompanied by an officer, and they're told to get down on their knees, and we get a bit of a, a, bit of a face turn. Did you see this face turn coming? Because from all the promo packages, I was convinced that Tyler was going to be a bad guy. Yeah, you'd only really seen a few shots where just walking in her like a period like suit. So I didn't know. I figured that whoever the trend, the contact was was going to just miraculously appear to kind of like get them out of there because obviously mm. you know, I think they have to get out of this some one way or another. But I wasn't expecting her to be kind of the person to get saved. And yeah, all of, like she even says later on, like, well, basically like, I showed up and nobody was there. She's like, well, we didn't think anyone was coming. Like, we didn't, you didn't wait longer than two seconds, Obi Wan, before you gave up on it. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, she was actually got held up because um, all the the troopers and probe droids were uh, coming. Oh, yeah, that was another thing I, I missed out. He uh, uh, the probe droids were sort of checking him out, and he had to shoot it before um, it sent the data away. But I think it got, but it still got just enough to go to um, the Inquisitors, unfortunately. Yeah, because there was a scene I think it got in between the bit on mm. the, the transport where you have the third sister arriving at their headquarters, which is a bit on the nose, but it's called the Fortress Inquisitorius, uh, which sounds like a really weird Harry Potter spell. Uh, <laughs> she comes in, and she comes in, basically just starts barking orders at the fourth uh, sister and the, the fifth brother, basically saying, when they find out he's in one of the main systems, he's saying, oh, well, send out all the probes, you know, we need to find him. And then the fifth brother's, like, trying to use a force, and basically, like, we don't take orders from you. If anyone's like the line, it's me. And then she's like, well, I've been talking to Lord Vader, you know, he personally says, you know, that, you know, he wants us to find Obi-Wan, like, do you want to argue with him? They're sending out all the bloody probes, and then they do, and obviously he shoots the probe, as you said, but it gets the information back to them, and then you see them back on the base when they find out about it, and then Fifth Brother puts Reborn in her place, uh, the Fifth Brother puts her in her place by going, oh, I'll see that I'll inform Lord Vader, like, he's already been informed, like, you, like he's like, I'm on to you, trying to burn those up to Vader. Yeah, um, it's nice. To, it's quite good sort of the sort of um, I'm sorry, it's more than banter, isn't it? It's a real sort of there's a real sort of hatred between um, the other inquisitors and and Reva, isn't there? And she she certainly knows how to get under the under their skin. And yeah, the fifth brother's sort of determined to to take to take over as Grand Inquisitor. But uh, as we know from um, rebels and whatnot, uh, that that doesn't happen. But, yeah, I, um, I really hope they really hope they do explain in the next episode what happened with the grand because they haven't, like you said, said that he's dead or anything. And like, yeah, it's a title that can we got passed on, but I'm assuming it's not going to the fifth brother because I'm pretty sure the fifth brother teams were like the seventh sister in an episode of Rebels and one of the later seasons of that show. So who knows what happens with that position, but. Going back to the bit on Mapuzo, like I do think it was kind of out of nowhere that like all oh, these guys getting shot, and then randomly one of them gets shot and gets cut in half because he happened to fall 
Right, right. So it's like, what's it with Obi Wan and cutting people in half, or maybe cut Obi Wan? First it was Maul, then it was Anakin cutting all his limbs off, and then then it was this like he's got a fucking problem. Is it yeah. then? <laughs> if you start slicing and dicing people, he's just not happy, is he? He's. Uh, I think he's got to see a psychiatrist about this. <laughs> yeah. Well, he didn't kill Fred, but he just he bit his back, hit him in the back of the head with his gun, and then yeah, he shoots that guy who tries to hold. Leah hostage, you notice, like, he manages to shoot him, but he was just uh, inches away from accidentally hitting her. He knew what he was doing. <laughs> Use the force. <laughs> I do love also, he, you, know, you see it later on with Vader, but his hesitation of even using the lightsaber, even though he brought it with him, but he still, when he has to get out of the situation, and they pretty much know he's the Jedi, he still uses his gun. Yeah, perhaps he thinks it'll bring less attention um, to you know to him if he uses his gun rather than his lightsaber because once he starts hacking and slacking with that, they'll instantly know that there's a Jedi about. So mm-hmm. it might be something to do with that, and perhaps because he hasn't used it for ten odd years or or whatever it is. And yeah, Tyler sort of leads him back into a, a sort of little sort of mining and farming village. And um, tells them to wait while she checks out that little base of operations is is safe to go into, which is um, looked after by a is it a loading droid or something? Do they call it? Yeah, yeah. It's not programmed to speak. It just stares at them when they try and speak to it. But she does say sort of actions speak louder to words, and yeah, they're they're, they're ushered inside when when they know it's safe. And um, there's like a hidden passageway in there, which sort of takes them down something. They call the path, which is like their little getaway of smuggling um, Jedi and Force-sensitive people uh, out of the system into somewhere they they hope is safe. And on some of the walls, they see um, scrawlings of a Jedi that have uh, passed there. Was it Quinlan or something, he says? Yeah, has, has been there um, and um, we read something that, that was wrote and something only is it only when you close your eyes do you see or some or something yeah. like that isn't it I can't remember it because exactly what it was now yeah it was something like that well, you know, you're the darkness or only when you close your eyes can you truly mm. see I think Quinlan was maybe Quinlan Voss who was a Jedi yeah in the Clone Wars, it wasn't one that immediately sprung it to me, but uh, I quickly double tell like, Oh, yeah, but to be fair, there was a lot of Jedi's popping up that I'd never seen before in the Clone Wars, and I binge watched that when it happened. So, a lot of Clone Wars blurred through from me at one point. But I feel like, was he in the Clone Wars? Uh, and later on, when we see uh, kind of that weird tomb of Jedi in the, the next episode, I was kind of, I was probably was going kind to of think, like, was Quinlan going to pop up in one of the one of the tombs, like, had he been through that, but unfortunately got caught up by a, eventually got caught by an Inquisitor. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's not long before the Inquisitors and Darth Vader sort of land in the little village and uh, start wreaking havoc. Vader starts um, force choking and uh, and killing random villagers. I, I imagine as an attempt to sort of 
lure Obi Wan out. He sort of tells Tala to take to take Leo and he'll he'll catch up catch up with them because uh, I think he knows that Vader can sense his presence, so he's going to go and try and distract him and lure him out and distract him so uh, Leia Leia can get away. She's the sort of priority now to make sure she's safe and um, yeah. We have a bit of a uh, bit of cat and mouse between Darth Vader and Obi Wan, which is perhaps some of the best scenes of the series so far, in my opinion. I like we're sort of we're also sort of um, cloaked in darkness as well, and the the not the only light, but the main source of light is the illumination of uh, both men's lightsabers, which I think really adds to the to the scene. Yeah. yeah. And I remember you McGregor was talking about in interviews where he said like uh, like I never got to really interact with like proper Darth Vader or Junior Pugo. Like I got to fight Anakin as he was killing Darth Vader, but I never got to really interact with him in the suit. And he said like when I first saw and see that scene in the suit and he's like coming up behind me, like I, I said you how scared he felt like felt like I was a kid again watching Darth Vader in the cinema. Like, you know, you gotta got sucked back into like the magic of it and yeah, like there's a bit where they're gonna get away because they know the stormtroopers are like going door to door, and nobody just kind of stops because you can sense it. And you see him like he's just kind of frozen. He like doesn't know what to do, doesn't want to engage, but he knows that Vader knows he's there. And like, like Vader confronts him initially, and Obi Wan kind of runs away, which he wouldn't have done in the past. But it shows kind of how much he's fallen in the years since their last kind of encounter. And yeah, there's the, the back and forth between the two. He's like. Like, what have you become? And Vader goes, I am what you made me. Yeah, there's also a little bit before that one. As you say, he tries to run off and he's in a bit of a clearing and he just says, Vader, you can't escape. And, um, yeah, they do, they don't have like a, a proper fight, but they do, they do exchange blows and, uh, Vader completely sort of overpowers um, an unprepared, an unprepared Obi Wan and sort of, Almost batters, batters him into submission with his uh, with his lightsaber, and there's also a cool little trick which I've not seen them before. He uses his lightsaber to ignite the ground, causing a fire, and he starts to drag Obi Wan through it quite slowly. And there's your pain has only just begun. So he not only wants to kill Obi Wan, but he wants to make him suffer like like he suffered. I mean, who knew that being left to burn alive would bear such a grudge? I know, really, you thought you'd gotten over that by now. You know, move <laughs> on, be the bigger man. But... Do, do, do they not have um, pay psychiatrists in the <laughs> Empire? For God's sakes. <laughs> like, there's a bit where he's, he's walking through, like, and then Vader almost like sneaks up on him, which you wouldn't think someone who looks like him could do. But he even says to everyone, like, the years have made you weak, which they kind mm. of have. Uh, it kind of doesn't matter what he says to Alec Guinness in the first one, which is your powers are weak, old man, during their, their duel in that film. And it is kind of closer to, and sort of sail to that duel, where, like, there's a bit more movement, but it is very similar to that, where they're not doing as much, you know, flips as they did in the episodes of Revenge of the Sith. Uh, and you notice, like, again, how much stronger Vader is at this point than Obi-Wan. Everyone's struggling to fight and get any sort of advantage, and he's using both his hands. And he's like, there, whereas, whereas Vader's just swinging one handed 
he's easily getting the the best of them. Uh, there's a point where I think when he does that thing with the fire, I think he knocks up some rocks on the ground. So I don't know what those are maybe, but it, wherever that, I think he he kills his empty catch fire using his lightsaber, and then yeah, just drags him across, uh, like try and make him feel like how he felt. And like I think the plan was to bring him to back to his fortress or wherever it was, like because you see the Vader's palace where he was getting his back to time treatments was on Mustafar where he initially became like where Obi Wan made him that way. You think you'd want to be as far away from that place as possible, really? <laughs> yeah, let's be honest. <laughs> Maybe you think so, but then Talca helps make the save along with the the, the loader droid because lately I insist that she go she go back and help him. And she's oh, I can make it the rest of the way, not knowing that uh, the third sister's already on to them. Yeah, we sort of see the third sister find the, the passageway and, and some of those scribings. Um, one in particular sort of obviously um, sparks uh, a memory, um, and perhaps not a pleasant one, the way she sort of reacts to seeing it. And, um, yeah, Leia sort of wanders through the dark the darkness of this this tunnel looking looking for escape and as you say yes um tara she blows up some sort of silo or something creating an even bigger fire to separate vader from obi-wan so they can so they can rescue him and and get him back to the planet or, or base that they're, they're hiding out on and um Vader sort of gives up the pursuit for the for the time being, and as the episode draws to its end, uh, it reaches the end of the the pathway, and she says, "Hello, are you who I'm supposed to meet?" And you you hear Reva's voice, and you're like, "Uh oh!" <laughs> <laughs> and the episode ends with. Uh, yeah, the third sister capturing Leia. So we're not in the best of predicaments. This is almost this is like your uh, Empire Strikes Back ending. Obi Wan's burned and battered and bruised, and Leia's been captured, and everything's gonna gonna bit Pete Tongue at the end of this one. Yeah, yeah, that's the best way of describing it because she, you kind of hear her voice and as she's talking, and she kind of steps out of the shadows like. Oh, they could person you can you're meant to meet couldn't make it, but I'll take you from here. And Leah Majesty Bankers. You've uh, clearly killed the original pilot, but didn't do didn't care enough to hide the body because it's out for Leah to clearly see. And the last thing you see is her running away, but as we see at the start of the next episode, so clearly didn't get very far. Yeah. Um and, uh, the episode sort of closes from there and um just wanted to, uh, before we get on to the next episode, I just wanted to sort of make a quick address uh, to the people that if you're listening to this and you're one of the people that have been given um, Moses Ingram hate, then uh, please switch off because uh, mm. she's, I think she's been throwing in a great performance. Uh, she's a talented actress. And yeah, if you're just going to be at her for the color of her skin, then you can kind of switch off. And um, we don't want you listening to our podcast. Yeah, yeah, you're here. I totally agree with you. Uh, uh, it made me sad watching the video that, that you McGregor put out. Mm. Yeah, I saw like, that. 
know, the first episode was, was like the most watched premiere on Disney Plus, and then it also said to me that a section of the fans, you know, are like this, and you know, it's, it's not even a new thing because like there are some who are angry who made similar comments to John Boyega before Force Awakens, and some who came in the actress actress played Rose uh, in the Last Jedi. She got a lot of hate as well, and I don't understand what the whole what these issues these these people have because like it doesn't matter what a person looks like. This is set in a galaxy far, far away. You know, you're meant you're supposed to have all sorts of people and characters in this. So mm. you know, I don't get understand why. And yeah, it's just like people like that. You know, it's just bringing the rest of us down. Yeah, you're prepared to accept green-skinned aliens, but a black person's where you where you're drawing the line. It just it boggles the mind, to be quite honest. I know it's like the people who had an issue with Marvel implying, uh, like Tom Hiddleston's character was by. I know they didn't maybe didn't send him the abuse that that Mozingo got, and like you uh, McGregor even said that he saw some of the messages he'd been sending. It made him like sick, but like. Yeah, issue like all well, implying something different about someone's sexuality or gender in a fictional TV show, amongst everything else that's that you're willing to go along with. Like, it's weird where some people draw the line. Mm. And if you think Disney supporting Moses and not supporting Gina Carrara are like hypocritical, then you need to go and um, re-educate yourselves because yeah. it's not the same thing. S- no. supporting, an, supporting an idiot like Trump and saying some of the stupid things she said deserves a bit of um, backlash and that, but giving someone grief just because of the colour of her skin is, is not right and, and not on. I know, and like you even said it in the first two episodes, like she was one of the MVPs mm. like, of the episode so far, and then you get to see a lot more of her and Jason. Don't even tell us that much about her backstory, even though I think a lot of us do believe that she's one of the Jedi younglings, but just give us, a, give us little hints of it, and like it's just very understated. And you know, weirdly, she's kind of been the unofficial, even though Vader's around, she's kind of the official like main villain of the series, and she's doing a hell of a job with it. I think she's. One of, if not the first, like main female villains of any Star Wars property. Yeah, I've really enjoyed her performance. And you've got to believe in episode uh, five or six, you're going to see more of a flashback. And perhaps mm. you might you might get a glimpse of um, Hayden Christian as uh, a pre-Vader, Anakin Skywalker, mm. hacking. Maybe maybe they'll leave out hacking younglings, <laughs> but maybe a couple of Jedi's that try to protect them, or or, or or some such. We might get a better feel for what she's doing because she seems like she wants to be Grand Inquisitor, but I don't know. I just, I just get a feeling there's there's something more to it. But I suppose we'll 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 see at the uh, the end. Hopefully, all our questions will be answered. But some of these series they like to they like to leave a few things open. And don't they? So you, mm-hmm. you you never know. But um, again, uh, the, the next episode opens with a bit of a split between um, Vader and Obi Wan. They're both in their back tanks. Uh, Obi Wan, he you know supposed to be healing from his burns, and I think they're sort of feeling each, just reaching out through the force and sort of feeling each other a little bit, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think. 
you know, they can kind of sense each other. And you can see like Vader rides around his tank as well. Because uh, he's not like injured, but I think he's always in pain when he's not injured. Yeah, so, he's... so he has to make regular trips to. I think it's implied that they've somehow connected to each other through the force that Obi Wan wants to get out because it's a bit much for him and he's worried that maybe Vader will sense where exactly he is if he's in there any longer. And we've learned through this and Book of Boba Fett that maybe as much as back to tanks help you physically, they can really fuck with your mind and make you remember things you don't want to remember. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they're, they're, they're really good for the, the PTSD, aren't they? <laughs> Remembering that guy whose limbs you cut off, who you loved as a brother, or that time you got taken in by a village of raiders who then got murdered. <laughs> it's like that, it's like that meme I sent you, which really made me laugh. And he's like, I am what you made me. He's like, oh, I swear I made you a lot shot. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of like there's been a quite a few ones people taking scenes from Star Wars and inserting Uncle Owen in there. Like the the scene where Anakin says to Mace Window, he must stand trial, and then he's like like you let Count Dooku stand trial or a bit where <laughs> yeah. rebels where Maul's trying to encourage Ezra to be his apprentice, like I will train you and then it gets the uh Uncle Owen going, like you trained your brother. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, you can't be a good Star Wars meme as long as, <laughs> as, long as it's actually funny and not abusive <laughs> or anything but yeah. Um, but yeah um, and he's also really keen to save Leia as well he knows he, he knows she's in sort of immediate danger and um, uh, I don't want to sort of cycles episodes off because I did enjoy it but it, it is pretty much your sort of standard break into the enemy's base and 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 save whoever you're saving <laughs> episode isn't it really that you see in a lot of these sort of sci-fis and that all your all the sort of usual tricks and and things uh, are brought out to, to get the job done like nobody really wants to help at first but they're the sort of talked into helping eventually and um Tyler because I might still have my clearance and um so she offers to to take Obi-Wan Obi-Wan there but uh before we get there we see a bloke and he's probably not the only one who's a bit miffed that they bought Obi-Wan to their sort of secret base there I suppose some of them are worried because Obi-Wan's that well known and um, they know they're sort of looking for him and it'll sort of attract the wrong sort of attention their way so uh, so he seems to want Obi-Wan gone but mm-hmm. um, he, he does sort of help him in a way they got plans for the Inquisitors uh, was it Fortress Inquisitors or yeah Inquisitors and like they talk about it and they say, like, well, it doesn't seem to be any shields or you know, security or like, like, inter- like external weapons. So like, yeah, it's because they know that no one's stupid enough to, you know, most of their, half their base is sticking out of the water in the middle, in the middle of a bloody sea. But basically, like, nobody goes near that, sit that there. They know the Inquisitors are not to be, to be messed with. Yeah, only only uh, a Jedi like Obi Wan would be daft enough to to want to break into <laughs> into that. But uh, yeah, I think Rokin is the name of the guy who wants to leave because he mentions he had a wife who was force sensitive and they they tried to hide, but 
eventually Inquisitor's founder and Roken is played by O'Shea Jackson, who was one of the guys mentioned when the initial cast list came out. I think he's most known from that NWA film. I don't mean the wrestling company. <laughs> uh, that's <straight> out Compton. <laughs> but yeah, I would have thought he'd have, have a bigger role uh, so far, but you know, he's kind of at the start and then at the end of the episode because uh, also they like get Leah, but and yeah, I agree with you. It's it's one of the more simpler episodes. It's when I like, try to get people like someone out of a uh, place they're being held. Like Rebels did this on our almost by episode base, basis here because they really were on that premise and they're going to sneak in around an imperial base and basically showing up, showing up just how shit the Empire really are at their own security. But I think the main thing in this episode is will be one because when he eventually gets to this space where he's sneaking around kind of like Alec Guinness on the Death Star in the first film. But it does feel like at points in this episode where after his whole encounter with Vader, Obi-Wan's getting a bit more confident. Like he's swinging that lightsaber and with more confidence than he did before. Yeah, he's, he's swinging it like a Chippendale swings his deck. <laughs> I was going to go with the question, maybe he's getting his groove back, but you do, you're, you're absolute cretin. <laughs> I haven't even watched the Chip and Dale film, like the, the Disney Plus one, which I've heard everybody raving about. But now all, all I'll think is Chip and Dale, and I'll think of Carl thinking about <laughs> men swinging dicks around. <laughs> You've ruined this family-friendly movie for me. Forever. <laughs> well, I take great pride in that. And actually, I, believe it or not, some of the things I say I won't watch, I actually watched that Chip and Dale film. It's actually quite good, to be fair. Yeah, I've heard like ugly Sonic, the initial Sonic design is in there. Apparently, yeah, the cameo from him before they decided to put that character in, there was a there was the plan was to give his party like they were going to put George Har in there. <laughs> but uh, uh, staying back on track, yeah. Um, so Tully uses a clearance to, to land in there and, and make her way through security while Obi-Wan um, sort of dives underneath and swims in the water. And oh, I'm getting flashbacks now to Fallen Order. Yeah, the mix of that and also Hermione when Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan being in order had to swim to the city to meet the Gungans in that film. So I love Obi-Wan, like, obviously, you know why they have to do it, but he's like, looking, you get to slide in with your imperial clearance and I have to swim through this, <laughs> to the bottom of this bloody ocean. And it does feel like with this planet, like, they realised in Star Wars Media, if we can't do Camino anymore, we need another water-based planet to focus <laughs> some things on for the bad guys. And it looks like Tyler's not going to get through security, but then she pulls the I'm a twat of a bus card. And well, why am I even wasting my time with you, head of security? I've got com- was it, like confidential information. Do you even know what that means? Why am I wasting my breath on you? And it's like, yes, sir. Very, sir. <laughs> and uh, she gets <laughs> through at the end. <laughs> People say, oh, do you know who I am? Yeah, it's, that's pretty much what it is. Yeah, the, the, I'm a higher rank than you, card. <laughs> <laughs> and she makes her way into one of the, the desks in the, in the base as Obi-Wan uh, makes his way inside through the, the sort of underwater entrance. And there is a... Maybe because... 
it's uh, they don't worry too much about it because it is you know hard to access it but there does seem to be a severe lack of any sort of security or or personnel in these corridors that obi-wan is wandering around conveniently and then and also you got like computers that anybody who dresses similar to you and speaks with enough confidence in their voice that they might belong there can just be allowed to because some guy doesn't want an inquisitor or a vader to come down mm. you don't want to have somebody asked to speak to your manager when your manager can choke you with their mind <laughs> that's true that's true uh, sometimes i feel mine can do that but uh, <laughs> that's another story altogether <laughs> but yeah uh, He's sneaking around again. Like I said, it's a lot like Alec Guinness kind of sneaking around in uh, the, the first Star Wars film. But it's also a extended bit, like cutting back and forth between Leia being interrogated by Reva, and she's kind of hold her own. To be fair, like she's trying to use like the forty get her talking, and Leia just says, "What is a staring contest?" Which I think's owing to the fact that even though it wasn't always really shown on TV, I think it's always been implied that Leia is somewhat force sensitive as well as like kind of like look. Uh, well, she's never trained to be a Jedi properly, but we do the, see it a bit in the in the sequels. Though, that she's mm-hmm. definitely got a bit of uh, Jedi and and Force ability uh, at, at, at that point, but certainly not in the uh, original trilogy now. And uh, uh, yeah, we we get to she, she wanted to learn how to float, and she got to learn how to float in the Last Jedi <laughs> and put her. <laughs> Nearly had a fucking meltdown when it happened. To be fair, it did look stupid. But yeah. uh, you, you would die. Fair. You would die instantly in the vacuum of space because you can't you can't breathe on nothing. So it, it doesn't make a lot of sense. As much as I enjoyed during the first previous three episodes, and she didn't do anything bad in this episode. Like I like to to try to send our droid at her, which like the third episode immediately catches. But I'm kind of almost done with Leia at this point. I'm hoping that they return her in late episode five or something like that, because as good as she was, it like, un- surprised me very much. I enjoyed her. Like, really at that point, we're like, please don't really, please don't push it too far and make me turn the other way. Well, I'm quite enjoying uh, young Leia, and you sort of see that she's already, um, you know, uh, a, a brave, you know, a brave, a brave woman that's not gonna give in. You know, she's resisting uh, all sort of uh, the third sister's attempts to get her to talk, and mm-hmm. we sort of see how far Marie's, uh, you know, prepared to take stuff when she takes Leia to the uh, sort of like a torture chamber place, and you know, she's sort of. Clamps her in the machine and pretty much getting ready to, I don't know, extract the information from us somehow or or torture us. So, you know, whatever her true intentions are, she's not she's not prepared to mess around. She's she's going to do whatever it takes to do mm-hmm. that, including torturing a a ten year old girl. So. Um, Luckily, um, Obi Wan hears some screaming and asks for a distraction, and they get and uh, they get her away from there just in time. As uh, Tala tries to sort of convince Reva that they're going to go back to that planet and, and root it out, and 
uh, Reva's not really believing her, and she goes, "You're a spy," and she goes, and uh, Tara answers back, "Well, yeah, of course I am. I've, I've been planted in in their ranks for, for years now, trying to figure out where they are and and what they were doing." And she was so convinced, and even I was starting to question, "Oh God, is it going to be like a?" A double turn here. <laughs> she she gonna go gonna go heal again. <laughs> it's like, well, if it was Vince Russo writing an episode of Star Wars, like, well, last sweet bro, I swear to God, this hear me out. You thought she was a bad guy, she turned good. This time, she's been a bad guy the whole time. I swear <laughs> to God, these nerds are not gonna expect it, and I don't know why my impression of Vince Russo sounds like Mayor Quimby. <laughs> <laughs> and he does. <laughs> I was thinking that sounds quite familiar. That voice. Somebody said, "Nah, Quimby." Yeah. Like, yeah, that's it. <laughs> you know, some somebody would hear me do that. I was like, "Well, you do a good Mayor Quimby." Well, that's a compliment. It wasn't meant to be Quimby. It was meant to be Vince <laughs> Russo. So you get impressions, just not the ones I set out to do. <laughs> but. I think one of the darker points of this, that we should talk about, like where everyone hears their voices when he's walking down that tunnel, because they, they they tease the idea that the Inquisitors are hiding something in the the bells of their mm. fortress, and turns out like in their meeting room, there's people find out what looks like lightsaber halts around the side, Jim is and there's like trophies from like the Jedi's they've killed, but then you see where they do the actual bodies, like they're all got in these like tombs with like amber fluid. Uh, there's only one Jedi actually. I seem to recognise it was an old one with kind of fur on his body where I'm pretty sure he was like an old Jedi who helped uh, Ahsoka during an episode of Clone Wars where she lost her lightsaber. Yeah. But the others I didn't recognise. Uh, but basically they obviously like, this isn't a, a, a fortress, this is a tomb. And uh, it looks around and there's even a youngling yeah, with a helmet still on. Yeah, the most harrowing of all the, <laughs> yeah, uh, a young one probably no older than, I don't know, seven or eight by the looks of the, the poor little beggar. So, yeah, the, it just shows the extent of uh, the Empire's evil, really, doesn't it? And, I'm um, wondering, wondering if maybe he was a part of the group that Reva was, or maybe she got away at the time of the guard, but then eventually came back to the Inquisitors and joined them, whereas her, her fellow younglings maybe weren't so, so lucky, but Part of me was hoping we would see some familiar Jedi, like some of the Jedi you, like, you get to see killed off in the uh, Revenge of the Sith, like montage of like Jedi's being killed, and you got maybe see some familiar faces because most of them, other than that first one, I don't recognise. There's some people who think that the bald guy off to the right was Mace Windu, but if Mace Windu was in there, they'd show you it was Mace Windu. Yeah, I'm, I'm not convinced on that one, but. Uh... <laughs> I'd be surprised if he's if he survived what well, um being electrocuted out of a very high window to be to be perfectly honest. So some people <laughs> like to think he's still alive, but yeah. So he's he's doing well if he survived that, I'll I'll give him that. Yeah. But well like but when when I like when Obi Wan saves Leia when he like he's got the lights and then like you said, all you can see is his lightsaber and he cuts down these star troopers. Apparently, like, there's a scene in the second Force Unleashed game where uh, the main character does that as well. And he was played by Sam Witwer, who voiced Darth Maul in the Clone Wars and Rebels. And he sent a tweet out when this happened. He went, that Kenobi, first he takes my legs, then he takes my dance moves. 
but yeah, we got a good bit when he's running through the running through the uh, the sort of corridors of Leia, and uh, the stormtroopers are converging converging on him because they know they know he's there and they know she's uh, he's helping her escape. And um, as they're firing these deflecting blasts, um, they hit one of the sort of glass windows and starts cracking. And we also saw this in Fallen Order with Kyle Castus and and his meeting with Vader that some of the windows broke and that water in. You know, you really think they'd do something about uh, the integrity of their <laughs> underwater base, wouldn't you? There seems to be a, a frequent occurrence. <laughs> Yeah, I do. I mean, it happened one thing. You first they thought no one will shoot at the who dared to come into this part of our indoor base to the point we had to shoot them and potentially hit the windows. Okay, it happened, but it surely won't happen a second time. I mean, the insurance premium flooding for that place must be stratospheric by now. Jesus Christ! But luckily, you got the emperor. I'm sure the emperor can sort anyone coming. In. Like, listen, emperor, you're like three months behind on payments for the quiz. <laughs> For the renovation of uh, the <laughs> Fortress Inquisitorius, you've got to be paying up, like, like okay. And then you go, like, fine then. And then just, just electrocutes and, like, <laughs> what, happened to the, what happened to these guys looking for their money? Oh, they paid the price for their lack of vision. <laughs> you didn't pay them, did you? No. <laughs> uh, I'm just doing impressions this episode. Impressions that sound nothing like the people you're trying to impersonate, <laughs> but impressions nonetheless. I should think my, my emperor's a little bit better. <laughs> but okay. Mm. I guess we're hurting feelings today as well. <laughs> oh, God. Here we go. <laughs> this, not this, is la- this is the last part podcast we ever do because I criticize Scott's impressions. Not what it's, you said, it's, it's the way it's, you said it. It's Scott thinking he's. Um, Rory Bremner and um, whoever else does good impressions, and uh, he's really just the average Joe, bless him. Anyway, what else happened in the episode? Um, I can't remember. This is where I stopped watching because I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm doing my Rahul now. I thought <laughs> I don't need to watch anymore. I'll turn it off here. <laughs> Yeah, they they basically um, Obi Wan sort of holds the warp with the Force uh, while they are and Tyler get a head start, and then he releases it and they peg it to the door, and they manage to shut it as it, it floods. Um, I'd, I'd say um, most likely killing all the stormtroopers, and then you know, he gets like a hat and a big coat to disguise him and hide. Uh, layer underneath as they sort of try and make their way out of the base and we sort of see a bit of an exchange between um, the fifth brother and um, what, what, what what number is the sister? Yeah, the, this other one, the uh, the fourth sister. The fourth sister and he's like oh, this is bloody Reva's the fault I know this is her doing, I know it and he's ordering the, the base to be shut down and um it looks like uh, Obi-Wan and Tyler and Leia have got away. You see the sort of doors closing behind them as they make it to the sort of, um, sort of dock area of the of the base. Uh, but uh, you, you hear Reva's voice behind them. As she's got a 
platoon of stormtroopers following her, and just when you think the game is up, two pilots come out of nowhere and start firing uh, at the, all the stormtroopers. And um, yeah, they seem to be able to hit everything but Reva, strangely enough, even at point black range, she's still able to deflect his shots with a lightsaber. We should have mentioned one of the earlier parts of the episode. I'm kind of willing to let it slip by. I'm saying, I was like, Jesus, this is how they're doing it. But how do they think, how do we get uh, uh, Leia out of here undetected? I don't yeah, think we know the Jedi's here. Uh, let's use the same method that people used to try and sneak a child into an R-rated film by basically <laughs> hiding her inside Obi-Wan's big long coat and no one will think to look downwards for long enough to see that hold on, there's two tiny feet and two normal sized feet uh, it also reminds me of the bit in the submarine in Austin Powers where Austin's there with many of you goes one of us will have to go on the other one's shoulders <laughs> yeah. and then all of a sudden you see a pair of tiny feet as he's got on many of shoulders <laughs> yeah, so it got me thinking about that as well. Actually, it did look a bit. It did look a bit ridiculous. Also, this is a massive bulge under the coat. I mean, what what, what do they think's going on there? But um, yeah, they, they they managed to slip away in one of the the the, the ships as the other one departs. Um, the fifth brother ships destroy them, and Reva uses the force to sort of throw like a, an explosive. At um, the ship piloted by Wade, I think it is, and it, 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 and it blows up. Bless, yeah. bless him. But yeah. you don't really see enough of him to really mourn his loss too much, to be honest. Yeah, it's that mournful moment where we mourn Wade, the character we met five minutes ago. <laughs> and then it it cuts to a scene um, with uh, with Vader, and he's not too happy that. Obi-Wan's got away and he's like, I can take your failure no longer. And he uses the force to hold her in the air and starts choking her. And Reva tries to say a few words, so he releases and he goes, I put a I put a tracker on them. So that's a that's another staple of these sort of um breakout things as well in movies and uh and TV shows that you think they've got away, but oh no, there's a there's a tracker. And Vader <laughs> asks, "Are you sure it's on the right ship?" And she says, "I'm sure. Wherever Obi Wan goes, um, the the tracker will be there too." And I kind of got the feeling it was going to be on Lola because she she handled it uh, earlier on in the episode, and we we get to see them on the ship, and yeah, you, you see Lola and it. It's sort of eye parts go red, so yeah, so yeah, they're, they're going to be able to track them somewhere. So we were bound to see another confrontation between Obi Wan and Vader. I think perhaps a, perhaps a bit more of a duel in mm-hmm. the in the final episode, perhaps. Yeah, I like to see more of of a duel between him and Reva first. I think is it's nice to see the Inquisitors and everything, but. You don't really got to see them like use the lightsaber all that much. Like Reva brought hers out when she was threatening people on Tatooine, and the Grand Inquisitor brought his out in the second episode. But you know, I think I get a bit more of a fight between those two before mm. you get to be in a. She's like the lower level boss, and then Vader's like the final boss for Obi Wan in terms uh, of this. But 
a bit like Fallen Order when you when you beat Triller and then Vader shows up and you hang shit. I mean, you just beat Triller by the skin of the teeth. They'll tell you I'm supposed to fight Vader. How is that? <laughs> Luckily, you only have to run away. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in that great moment with Triller, then all of a sudden just Vader shows up like, oh, fuck, everything's... <laughs> we're all fucked now. <laughs> uh, and then... I didn't think it was good that they did this whole thing with Lola and they, they reveal like the tracker and everything, but because before that, I was like, well, they're really just like not going to put ships here that you can't send at them, like you couldn't throw that bomb a bit further on, you'll take all of them out in the one fell swoop, but no, like, then, like, okay, then, because you've seen when in the room with the Inquisitors, like the fifth brother especially was like looking pleased to the idea that, you know, Vita might kill her, and then kind of disappointed, like, oh, God, now. Now she's she's worrying her way up, and she even said to her, like Kenobi's all that matters. Like repeating what Vader said mm. to her, like, "But he teaches pet." Re- really is, but I'm, <laughs> I'm I'm still hoping there's a little bit more to her story. But we'll uh, we will see. Mm-hmm. But we sort of see that I mean, her plan is to try and get to Vader and take him down. She's she's no match. She's no match for him unless she can sort of. Get to him when he's uh, his most vulnerable, unless she thinks the position of Grand Inquisitor will let her get to him when he's most vulnerable in his back to tank or something, perhaps. Perhaps, yeah, but I doubt like Vader would let anybody go to get too close to him because that's the mm. whole thing with the Emperor and the idea that there's only only two. Because you've seen in the past whenever someone gets close to his friend, as he thinks could replace him, like he he gets threatened, like. Uh, when he ordered Dooku to kill Ventress in the Clone Wars, or the whole thing about Force Unleashed, so as Vader was training an apprentice to help him kill the Emperor. I don't even think, I don't even think Force Unleashed is canon anymore. But, no, Dad, apparently it's not, no, those games. But certain things have been struck off as canon and then been brought back because apparently Grand Admiral Thrawn wasn't supposed to be canon <laughs> and then they decided, oh, we need a we need a new villain that's not the Grand Inquisitor of Vader for Series 3 of uh, Rebels. What, what shall we do? <laughs> yeah. I mean, they made the right decision, I think, in the end. Hmm. Yeah. But, um, yeah, but... As I say, the episode ends where you see Lola as the tracking device. All in all, it's a, it's a, that was a watchable episode, but uh, probably the weakest one so far, I think it's fair to say. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with you on that one. But what, what, what would, we'll, we'll perhaps uh, rate them individually. So what would you what would you give both episodes? Uh, there were points in the middle of episode three where, I, well, I first watched it, I thought it's a bit slow here, but also be some... Most of the things they yeah, slow down a bit, like yeah, just but I still maybe go an eight and a half out of ten for episode three and more of a seven for episode four because there wasn't as much edge uh, hook in, but it was still very entertaining. And you know, there was a shocking reveal like all the Jedi's, uh, Obi Wan got a bit more lightsaber action in this episode, so you know, there was enough that kept me you know entertained, even if I felt that. You know, the little bit side, it's always sitting around everyone feeling sad. His Wade died. Like, we just met him. Like, he had two lines, maybe, maybe four at most in this entire episode. So I'm sorry, but you can't make me feel this bad about Wade. 
No, no, they're asking you a bit much to feel sorry for someone who's only, only had a couple of minutes of screen time at best. But uh, no, I'm going to have to... I, I didn't think it got slow, the third episode. I think it was well-paced. And for me, it's uh, it's a good... 10, it's a good 10 out of 10. I really enjoyed it. I like all the bits of Vader. I love the opening, as I said to you. I love all the bits of Vader. Uh, I think we get a good bit of story and uh, and dialogue through the what you sort of think of the slower bits. I mean, episodes can't be action-packed all the way through. But, uh, yeah, probably, probably just a 7 for uh, episode 4. Pretty much standard. Break, breaking out another good guy fair really that episode yeah I think I don't even know if like I'm sure you make a tease something after a sequel series to this but for the most part feels like it's intended just to be just like six episodes and that's sure that's sure a lot so it's kind of weird to have some of the details and there's also you have to save Leia and then but like there was not a lot to this other than like just save Leia you know who's been captured once again in a series. So you gotta think there's a lot to pack into these last two episodes. Mm. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't want uh unless this doesn't end with a concrete ending, I wouldn't want to see it out of a series. I think you'd be stretching it out too far. Maybe you could do a standalone special or something, but um yeah, you really will start sort of messing with the <clears throat> The law of the the series and um, and whatnot. If you, you you try and do too much of these things, so hopefully you and McGregor gets too busy to do any more <laughs> any more series. Quick, just book him up for stuff. Quick. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, I mean, I mean, see the episodes five and six. You know, if I whenever gets to the last episodes of these Disney Plus series, I'm always because they vary the, the episode length, but I always wait. I always hope when I sit down, like, please sit down when this is like 50 minutes or an hour, because I always feel like there's so much left to come in the final episodes of these shows. Yeah, I mean, one compliment I can give uh, to the series so far, and that even includes episode four, is each episode's been around 40 odd minutes, but it's just flown by. It's felt more like 20, and it's very rare. Because uh, I have a short attention span, it's very rare. I feel that way when I'm watching a a, a program, but they just, you know, they, the episodes are just flying by. Yeah, I mean, we may not have been the biggest fans of Episode Four, like like as much as previous episodes, but it's still not the worst Star Wars related thing we've reviewed on this podcast. That honor still goes to the passenger from the Mandalorian. That will probably remain the mm. undisputed champion of. Crap, star horse things we've talked about for a long time. It's gonna, yeah, it's gonna get quite bad before um, uh, we get worse than that, I should think. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, definitely, definitely a lot better than the ratings it's getting on all these uh, platforms like Rotten Tomatoes. I don't know why people are going out of their way to give it bad ratings, but yeah, dicks will be dicks, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, I suppose so. So, Scott, you've got uh, any plugs, any exciting stuff on the way? Uh, I do have one or two things to talk about. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at scottmccloud1986. Uh, follow my other podcast. It's also on the Rogue Pains feed, uh, Scott and Paul's Rambling podcast at SP Rambling. Both our feed and the Rogue Pains feed 
can be found wherever you choose to get your podcast, whether it be Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, Podbean, wherever you choose to listen to your podcasts. Uh, we're doing some stuff right now uh, where we've got some impact related content coming out soon because uh, some anniversary is quickly approaching us. Uh, we've got a episode planned to talk about the history of the European Championship and we've got some other fun wrestling related content uh, planned in the coming weeks for that. Uh, you're into your Japanese wrestling, a show I do on ESSR called uh, East Meets West. Is going to have a couple of interesting episodes where uh, our next episode, hopefully recording sometime this week, will be on the recent Super Juniors tournament and their big Dominion show. And then in a couple of weeks' time, we're going to probably talk about that big show uh, with AEW Forbidden Door, as well as breaking down the upcoming uh, brackets and participants for the, the G1 Climax. Because, you know, it's usually two blocks of 10. Uh, guys been announced this year because it's the 50th anniversary. They're doing 28 guys and four blocks of seven. So it's going to be an interesting tournament to try and follow. And then, yeah, there's me, Carl, and Nathan trying to make plans for some new A-team-related content. And I'm just popping up here with Carl and whatever else I can. Mm, yeah, talking about New Japan, we've got, a, we've got a brand new IGW champion as well, haven't we? We yeah. saw that we saw that come in. <laughs> Well, I was hoping for it to happen. To be fair, so you know, yeah, I, I I do like Jay White, so I'm I'm, I'm glad he's he feel he feels more ready for it this time as well than when he first won yeah. it. To be fair, yeah, I'm I'm glad he's uh, the champion. Now, looking forward. Hopefully, see him popping up at, at Forbidden Door in a big spot. But, you know, we've got big wrestling over here at Roger Pines. Carl, I mean, I'm sure at some point once I get around to actually watching in your house, but I'm sure Nathan. You know, his new favourite TV show, NXT 2.0. I'm sure you'd love to join us to talk about that. <laughs> Even if we don't have two dimes anymore. <laughs> oh, please don't talk about that. I was just getting over that. <laughs> but Carl, please take people's minds off the loss of two days with any plugs that you have. <laughs> uh, you can find me, as always, at Carlos underscore fire 80 on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, you can find uh, Brand Rogue underscore opinions on Twitter and Instagram. And, um, yeah, nothing new since we last recorded, so just go back and listen to um, me and Nathan talk about the French Open. That might be new since we last recorded. I'm not too sure. That was reasonably recent. So yeah, me and me and uh, Nathan just did a quick review of the French Open and a, with a bit of a preview to Wimbledon. So if tennis takes your fancy, you can listen to that. Me and Liam uh, did a review of the uh, the last season of the Premier League, which is a season we both like to forget. Really, as both <laughs> Arsenal and United didn't do too good. And um, yeah. Um, there might be more stuff on the way. <laughs> I, I don't really know. <laughs> All right, we'll have a chat with Nathan pretty soon. I'm sure the YouTube will be back together, and I'm sure you won't regret agreeing to come on board this. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, yeah, that's it. That's me over and out. Goodbye, everybody. Hi everybody, and remember, you know, much like you know, fleeing the Grand Inquisitors or 
particularly an Inquisitor or Darth Vader or even being in a podcast with Nathan. It ain't easy. It really isn't. 